Hey everyone, it's Erin. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that Diana and I are hosting a special screening of Dream Girl on November 9th at 7 p.m. in Brooklyn. That is this Thursday. So if you're a New York City local, we would love to see you there. Tickets are just $12 and you can get them at dreamgirlfilm.com slash events. All right, now back to the show. Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, Harvey Weinstein will never work in Hollywood again. Harvey Weinstein will never work in Hollywood again. And Harvey Weinstein will never fucking work in Hollywood again. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk. Hi, Diana. Good morning, Erin. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, they were not okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to be here talking with you this morning. Um, we've been talking on and off throughout the week. I feel like we've been in a flurry of text messages about um, what's been going on and, and at the news as it's developing and things like that. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a strange week though, I would say for sure. And heavy, I, yeah, heavy week. and I, it's been interesting to kind of touch base with other friends who are, um, you know, not necessarily like as related to film and media within their work and like hear how they're affected. And it feels like, this is one of those stories that's really permeated the way women are talking to other women and everyone's kind of feeling the heaviness of this. So it's definitely been um, a really heavy week for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Should we just get into it? Should we just start talking about it? Yeah, I think there's no other way around. We got to dive right in. Um, So on October 5th, the New York Times published an article called Harvey Weinstein paid off sexual harassment accusers for decades by Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhi. Um, we're just going to quote, I think it's important to kind of just get a, a scope of what was going on in case people aren't aware of it, but this is a quote from the New York Times article. Um, basically, this, again, has been stretching over three decades, documented throughout interviews with current and former employees and film industry workers, as well as legal records, emails, and internal documents from the businesses he ran, which is Merrimax and the Weinstein Company. Um, and during that time, after being confronted with allegations, including sexual harassment and unwanted physical contact, Mr. Weinstein has reached at least eight settlements with women, according to two company officials. And um, essentially, we've had 29 women step forward and share their experiences of not only sexual assault and unwanted physical advances, but rape, three rape allegations as well, which is really, you know, I think when I heard about the news. I mean, as we both were kind of disappointed and like um, disheartened and, you know, to hear about sexual assault is, you know, in in physical and verbal forms is so deeply haunting and upsetting. But then when the rape allegations came out, I like lost my mind um, and really went into a deep dive of you know, what happened. And I think one of the things that's really striking and really terrifying is that, you know, all of the advances that happened, like happened in the same way. And there is this goal, like thread that just throughout all the narratives that are, 
you know, so similar. And, you know, I think that's obviously a telltale sign of that, you know, had been happening for so long that he almost got, had a script that he went by and just, it was really horrifying to hear that over and over again, he'd bring, you know, women to his hotel room. And, um, you know, the, the thing that really made me so angry was that usually in these conversations that he'd have with these women, he had another woman in the room first. So he'd have like a female casting director or an assistant. And so it, beca- it was a safe space. And the first, you know, maybe 20 or 30 minutes of the conversation were about work and were about advancing her career. So we have, we're setting these women up to be in the safe space with this very powerful man where he's going to make promises to her about her career. Then all of a sudden that woman leaves and he, get, he goes into the bathroom and he puts on the bathrobe and he comes back out and he wants a massage or yada yada. And it, then, then all of a sudden you're sitting there and, and I can imagine you're like, what just happened? It's like day and night of the way that these women are being treated. Um, and it was really horrific. I actually heard um, they have an audio sound clip of when um, the one woman was bugged and listening to him, the Italian actress, who actually called the police on him. Um, and listen to kind of a little snippet of what he was saying to these women. And it is horrifying. Um, I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really baffling. It's, it, it's obviously unearthed so many conversations and, you know, different people in Hollywood and, and dominoes for sure. Yeah, I think that um, the dependency that he set up with, with these women, them being dependent on him for mm-hmm. career success and him just really holding power over them. Um, not only, you know, sexually, physically, but also just, you're not going to make it here if you don't do this. Right. There's such an interlink. What really disturbed me about the allegations and that all of the stories and all of the experiences that these women detailed is that having a career for them in this industry was synonymous with sexual harassment and sexual assault. Mm-hmm. If you took an if you took a meeting with Harvey Weinstein, it was, you knew what you were expected to do. You mm-hmm. knew what you were in for. Yeah. Um, and I think that the failure of the industry and the failure of people to know that this was happening and do nothing about it just illustrates, I mean, it's, it's such a micro example of patriarchy, misogyny, abuse, injustice, rape culture. Mm-hmm. Rape culture. Um, and I think the really important thing to name here, and you and I have talked about this kind of, throughout as things have been coming out is that it's disturbing, it's upsetting, it's harrowing, it's deeply, deeply troubling, but it's not shocking and it's not surprising. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to not be surprised by this. We need to not, you know, pull the, oh my gosh, like, do you believe this is happening? Because yes, it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And I, and that's not to normalize it, and that's not to downplay it. That's to recognize that there is a there's a huge problem at play here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, and I think that Rose McGowan, and we'll get into this. Um, I think that all of the women that have come forward have illustrated the much larger symptomatic systemic problem. Yeah, and I just want to kind of acknowledge like the fact that women like Ashley Judd, who are part of that New York Times article and sharing their story. Um, you know, I was reading another piece that was basically, it's like a dam that's being like holes are being poked in the dam. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, now the floodgates are open. Um, and really the strength and the courage that it takes to be able to, you know, name somebody in that space. You know, I've, 
Um, I was uh, raped in college. I was sexually assaulted at um, the last job that I worked at before I left for, to work on Dream Girl. And, you know, I, I, it's interesting because I feel like I'm coming from this place in this conversation of like, you know, I've processed that experience and, you know, to the point where like I can talk about my rape. I've written about it for Feminist Wednesday. You know, I've had uncomfortable conversations with my parents um, I've been able to, you know, work through the harassment that I experienced at my job um, in advertising, but I have never, ever, ever named either of those, the person that my rapist or, um, or the company. And I think, you know, to be honest, like it's because I don't want any legal repercussions and I have had to deal with the pain and the healing and the processing so much on my own. That like, why would you ever, you know, go out of your way to then put yourself through like the emotional drudgery of having to deal with the legal obligations of it? Um, and I think that women who can come out and name that is, it, it, I think it's everything. I think it's, it's so strong. It's so, you know, at times necessary, especially when, you know, clearly they fell in a place where they were empowered enough to do so. I think, you know, like we were talking about before, it's so interesting that you know, a lot of these assaults happened when these women were not in places of power, when they were at the beginning of their career. Um, the one uh, actress, uh, Kate Beckinsale, was 17 when it happened to her. You know, Gwyneth Paltrow was in her early 20s. Angelina Jolie was in her early 20s. And so I think also the privilege of kind of being at a place now where, you know, they're at the, I wouldn't say the height of their careers, but they're really powerful women in Hollywood you know, to be able to name that and to, to use that power for something that's so deeply traumatizing, honestly, is, is so inspiring. And to have Rose McGowan specifically rip up her NDA, because I've heard her talk about the assault before on different forums and podcasts. And the power of her being like, I don't give a fuck anymore. And we're going there and I'm naming it and I'm going to say what happened to me and I'm going to call Ben Affleck out for knowing about it. I mean, wow, that really shook me. And, you know, within all of the horror and trauma that I think this drudges up, I think we're also seeing glimmers of hope of women reclaiming their stories mm -hmm. and what happens when we give women the space and the power and we believe them. I think that's also something that's so um, convoluted about these conversations is that there is this, you know, he said, she said, and, and we don't believe women. And we don't put them in places of authority in these conversations. We don't believe women. And if we do believe them, then there's always this asterisk that brings us to, but maybe there was something that mm -hmm. she did or yeah. that's being inflated or that's being, you know what I mean? Like we believe them, but then we have all of these criteria questions. and yeah. questions. Mm -hmm. And we can never just understand that this happened mm -hmm. and follow process to see that justice is done. And I think that that's something that was kind of shocking to me, to be honest, when the article was first published and Rose McGowan was really outspoken in support of Ashley Judd, talking about her own harassment by Weinstein. And the silence of the sisterhood in Hollywood at first was incredible. Mm -hmm. Nobody came up in the first few days mm -hmm. to really stand beside these women and really show their support. And it was kind of, for me, it was kind of strange to watch because I was like, where, where are the women? Like where, where the fear was palpable. There was yeah. just this kind of hush mm -hmm. and like almost, we've seen this before where huge stories are leaked 
published and then they just kind of go away go away right. and there's a huge pr machine at play that makes it so that it's downplayed or cast aside or so convoluted that nobody can really report on it's it anymore in a different way exactly but it was really heartening to see that as the week went on i mean the chorus of women and men but i i really would like to focus on women who have come forward and and just stood by their peers their fellow co-stars their fellow directors has been incredible. Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, called out Twitter when Rose McGowan's account was suspended and Which said... Which is insane. Okay, can we just... Yeah. That is insane. Twitter should be ashamed of themselves that, like, we're silencing this woman for speaking out. Like, that, that's insane. It's, ch- it's chilling, almost. And, you know, thank God women boycotted Twitter yesterday and, and are making a story about it. Because it's so insane. Absolutely. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis came out and said, you know, the president still has his Twitter. He's never been suspended. Mm -hmm. And we suspend Rose McGowan as soon as she speaks her truth. Right. I mean, it's it's deplorable. Um, Gal Galdot, who is going to be starring opposite Ben Affleck in the Justice League, (gasps) issued a statement yesterday saying, I stand with the women. Wow. And I like got full body chills. Because I just she got was chills someone, hearing you say that. She was someone who I was kind of keeping my eye on. Is like, what's what's going to be the move here? And in another time, she would have never oh, she's been allowed to do that. Wo- or Wonder Woman now, so she can. Absolutely. Ugh. So to me, those are kernels of progress. Mm-hmm. There was a time where she would never be empowered to do that. Right. And Charlize Theron said that although she hasn't been abused by Harvey Weinstein, she's not surprised and mm-hmm. she believes the women and she's there for them. Totally. It's incredible. Yeah, it's really incredible. And I also think, you know, I know people were kind of waiting with bated breath of who was going to say what and there was all this energy. Um, but I also think like we live in such a weird social media 24-hour news cycle where we expect people to react immediately. Um, And I also think we need to give people the space and the time to process their feelings and emotions and come out and say what they want to say and what they mean to say. You know, I don't think we need to be forcing people to have statements or like immediate solidarity, especially women like Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelina Jolie, who probably had to think about it and decide whether they were going to come forward or not. I mean, those are big decisions and they shouldn't be made like in an hour's notice just because you're processing all of this information. I also wouldn't be surprised if they were asked to be a part of the New York Times article and declined. Interesting. Um, We'll never know, but... But how do you... This is something that I was thinking about within, like, you know, the floodgates opening of, like, the first domino has have to fall for you to really, um, you know, push progress and move it forward. Like, how would they... How would you know the women who were... I mean, this was decades and decades ago in some of these cases. Like, these women aren't in their 20s anymore. How would you even know who was affected? Or I think one of the systematic problems about you know, assault and the rape culture that we live in is that we silo these women mm-hmm. and we make them feel like it's their, it's their individual experience and it's their individual problem. And that, you know, maybe it's a one-off. I mean, I've read so many stories about um, assault and rape that people have, were like, and even through the Harvey Weinstein case where people are like, well, I didn't want to hurt his family. What if it was a one-off? And women take on the burden of the responsibility of the why, which is something I know I've done. You know, I've created so many narratives for my rapist about like why it happened and, you know, in order to sleep at night. And it's like, it, but if I knew like that it had happened to other women and that, you know, he was someone who had done it to, like I would probably, it would 
what's the word I'm looking for? I would be more comfortable knowing if there were more than one of us. Do you know what I mean? And I think we're so gendered and we're so brainwashed to believe that it's just happening to us. Absolutely. And that, and the shame, I mean, the shame that thinking that you did something to provoke it, you did something to deserve it. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not going to be believed if you come forward. So what's the point? Mm -hmm. You know, there's such a systemic silencing of women who go through these experiences every single day. And Mm -hmm. I think when we see extremely powerful women like Angelina Jolie come forward and detail their experiences, it's, it's really inspiring. And it, to me, it's, it's true leadership, you know, to see someone who is that powerful in her own two feet say, this happened to me. Well, and I had to bury it just like every other woman who has had to bury it. Right. Well, I mean, we talked a little bit about this with the Lady Gaga episode, but that was the reason that I came out about my rape was that I, Lady Gaga, it happened to her, it happened to Madonna. It's like you, when you don't feel like you're alone and it's your... Um, burden to bear, then all of a sudden it's a burden we get to carry together and we're not alone in it. So it is so powerful and it is, it is really revolutionary, I think, to have women be able to speak up. And I think you're going to make me cry just the way you're looking at me. Um, yeah, it's, it's just super, super powerful. And I'm so glad that we're, these women are taking, you know, the energy and the time and, and are naming it because it's only going to allow other women to be able to do the same and to own their stories. And I will say there is something so, you know, I think when we share our truths, I think there's so much fear around it and there's so much guilt and shame as we've talked about. And, and I still carry a lot of that with me. I'm not going to lie. I still, you know, think about wackadoo narratives of what happened to me in college. Um, but I will also say that I have there are moments in my life that I can feel definitive power like flow through my body. And the minute that I published that story about what happened to me was one of those times. And I felt like the interesting thing about storytelling is that when we're hiding in the shame and the guilt of what happened to us, when we take control of the story and we share our experiences, we're rewriting the narrative. We're claiming what actually happened. And there's something so freeing and so liberating and so powerful about that. So, um, yeah, it is, it, I mean, all of the things and all of the feels, and I know so many women are feeling the heaviness of that, you know, and the burden of like having to process this always in the shadows and thank God we're, we're talking about it. Yeah. I think there's nothing more powerful than doing something as scary as saying that this happened to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and having your fellow sisterhoods look back at you and say, me too. Yeah. You know, that, that was just the overwhelming response from so many women was, yeah, me too. So let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. And for women who hadn't been abused by him, there was such a, I'm sorry that happened to you. Let me carry it with you. Yeah. Like it was just beautiful. Yeah, and I do feel like there was such a, people were just seeing people. And it, it felt really seen to, I think, read the articles and to like, you know, as traumatizing as they were. I think one of the reasons that I followed the story so closely and was like so invested in it was I felt really seen with like part of me feeling released in having these women come forward. It's like once we all release the burden, it becomes a bit lighter to share in a way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, but I think that we do need to recognize like what, what is progress in this situation? And for me, when I was walking to the studio this morning, I was thinking about this time last year with the election and how if they show another photo of Hillary fucking Clinton, 
with Harvey Weinstein, I'm going to lose my mind. Let's take the situation and now blame it on women. Like, what is going on? Thank you for bringing up the election. Absolutely. And I think, you know, last year I was so triggered by having to watch the debates. I didn't even watch the last one because it was so terrifying. I mean, let alone what happened on election day. But it was so terrifying to see an abuser. Mm -hmm. A person who has literally... I mean, this all sounds like old news now that we're a year into it, but Mm -hmm. we need to not forget that he bragged about sexually assaulting women and he is now the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. And so when we hear hear these stories about Harvey Weinstein, this comes back to we need to not be surprised. And I think for me, I felt walking to the studio knowing we were going to talk about this today, I felt very much the same way that I did this time last year and having to go through the debates, explain to people why Mm. his behavior is unacceptable, explain to people why sexual assault and sexual harassment are unacceptable. I mean, it was, it was almost embarrassing at times Mm -hmm. that we as women have to constantly remind people to take this seriously. Right. I was um, in a cab the other day and you know, there's that sign on the taxi that says, if you assault the driver, you get 25 years in jail. And I was like, where is the disconnect between like the rape culture that we live in, that women's bodies are so commoditized and this is so regular and so normalized through, you know, catcalling and the way that we view women that like we cannot attach the consequence and the severity of the issue when it happens to women. It's a, it's a very, I think that's the thing that's the most convoluted and the most disturbing is that we're still not seeing women as people. And, you know, we're seeing that in like all of these blah, blah, blah statements about, oh, well, I have a daughter. And, you know, so now I care about women who are getting sexually assaulted. It's like, hold the phone. Like with love, if men who are listening, like, I'm sure you have a mother and I'm sure you have a sister and I'm sure you have women in your life. Like you don't need a daughter to understand that women are people. That's why it's offensive. It's like all of a sudden this gives you like a green card into feminism. It's like, no, you should live in the world and everyone should be able to have the same opportunities And it's, that's, I don't know, that's like a systematic problem that we need to continue to think about and we need to be dismantling because there aren't consequences for things like that. In fact, we were talking the other day about how in a lot of these situations, men fail up and like to be able to elect a man who is, who has sexually assaulted women, who has had rape allegations, who is, who feels like a predator when you look at him as the president is, it's really, really horrifying. Oh, the the protection of men in Hollywood who have, you know, gone to court and settled. Um, very serious. Yeah, we were talking very about Johnny Depp earlier as well. Oh my gosh, it's Amber like, Heard showing up to court with a black eye just so that people would believe her. Uh, and he's still working. He's still working. Uh, and, you know, further to your point about... Um, understanding the consequences of action when you do these kinds of when when you engage in this kind of behavior i mean there's such a disconnect well, i was walking the other day and on the side of a bus there was an ad for breast augmentation mm-hmm. i get on the train and then it's the whole you know psa if you see something say something <laughs> and i'm like i was assaulted by that bus earlier <laughs> if, if i see something i'll say something and then what yeah Oh, yeah. I would love for there to be a follow-up to that. Yeah. I don't know, narrated by, like, Rose McGowan, maybe? Yeah. Saying, and this is what will happen to that asshole who groped you on the bus. Right. 
I know I was, as we were thinking, I was thinking about like coming in this morning, I was thinking about like all of the casual sexism that you just have to deal with as a woman, you know, like I've been assaulted at a bar before. Like somebody has grabbed my breast at a bar, like just walking by, I've been assaulted. Like these are just things that women have to like deal with in their existence. And like, what, like, like to your point, and then what? It's insane. I was groped in Paris. I was 22 at 10 in the morning. And my friend was, you know, absolutely shocked. I was watching, walking with a couple of girlfriends and this guy just grabbed my boob. And it's just like, okay, I saw something. Can I say something? Like, oh my God, what? come on. And if you say something, what then is the process of silencing you, downplaying it, blaming you? I mean, right. it really is just such a failure. Right. So systematically. A, put, a PSA put together by people who have never experienced it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's something that we almost, as a culture, and as women, we know, zip it. Like, and, and I wasn't really at the, I didn't really discover my feminism until after college. And I really regret not having the language to like figure out that situation. But I knew immediately, like when I had been raped, I, I showered for like two hours and I told one friend and that was it. I never spoke about it again for like eight years. Ugh. I was like, this is it. I kn- like, I know my place in this, in this, you know, part and I'm not gonna, and I, you know, it totally subconsciously. It wasn't like a decision I made. I just knew that that's what I was supposed to do. You bury it. Yeah. What made you decide? Which later came out in in drunken rages throughout my life over and over and over and over again, you know, until I started dealing with it and processing it and and through, you know, talking about it with my therapist and things like that. But what made you start, what made you want to share it in the way that you have? Um, you know, I think hearing that I'm not alone, that women have experienced this, you know, like I said, with hearing about Gaga and Madonna and all these women who have experienced it, Lena Dunham, um, really gave me permission to talk about it and to feel seen and to feel like I wasn't going to carry it alone. Um, and then also there were a couple of instances where I was in interviews or in conversations or talking to my family where I could feel myself wanting to name it and wanting to give it context to why I was defensive about certain things. So it just felt like it was time to talk about it and share it and and make sure that I could express it in the way that I wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, we, we can't discount the power of seeing people like Lady Gaga, Angelina Jolie, Gwyneth Paltrow naming it. Yeah. Um, you know, these women are have been a part of our lives for but also something so we long. were talking about is these women are all white. <laughs> and where's the, I mean, where are the women of color? In, in not a judgmental way, in a loving way of like, this is a privilege that white women have to be able to come forward and talk about these stories. And like my heart breaks for the women of color that this is, has happened to. And their narrative, which is so, um, you know, again, white women just have the privilege of being seen in a different way and are held to a different standard, especially in Hollywood. And it breaks my heart to think of like that they feel like their voices are so silenced in our racist culture. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's I think that's also something that we're not really talking about or acknowledging. Yeah, I think I mean, I think it's not it's not just white women. It's privileged white women. Yes. It's the Gwyneth Paltrow's, the right. initial these. And I think that I completely agree. Terry Crews, who um, 
is an African-American actor, talked about being groped at a party, mm-hmm. sexually assaulted at a party when all of this was happening to show his solidarity. Yeah. And that was so powerful. Mm-hmm. James um, Vanderbeek did as well. Really? Yep. What did he say? Just a similar experience that, you know, as a gay man in, in Hollywood, that he was also subjected to a lot of assaults throughout his career. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, I mean... And where is the solidarity? You know, Leslie Jones, when Ghostbusters came out, was the absolute target of trolls making demeaning and racist, I mean, horrific comments. Mm -hmm. Where was the solidarity when she went off Twitter? Mm, Nobody boycotted it then. Yeah. You know, we still continue to fail women. Right. And and make them unseen. Absolutely. yeah, it's it, it's a big question mark for me. I think it'll be interesting to see who continues to come forward. 32 women, I believe, have come forward already. Um, all of which, if not most of which, are white. Yeah. I also want to note that Lena Dunham wrote a really beautiful article. Was it for the New York Times? Yeah. Um, about just men and their solidarity and ways in which they should be stepping forward. Um, and just about her own experience. And that was really powerful. Um, and I was really... I think she's been so vocal about, obviously, women's issues all the time um, and in her faults and in her, you know, learnings. But she wrote a really uh, powerful piece about it. Yeah, that was still one when a lot of people still hadn't come forward in solidarity. And I think that she did do a big call to action, as you said, mainly focused at men to stand with their co-stars, stand with the women that they have been working with for decades um, and show that they don't support this kind of behavior at all Mm -hmm. but then as we saw (laughs) as people like ben affleck came forward and i love the avalanche oh the avalanche of a song that's so ben affleck also wears casey affleck in all these conversations have we just forgotten hiding people have under a rock yeah i mean they should be ashamed yep and i mean the fact that Ben Affleck can make a statement. And did you read the statement? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. He made a statement on Twitter saying, I'm so sorry this happened. You know, the blah, blah, blah. I stand with women. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. I have a daughter. Yeah. And Rose McGowan was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, I mean, the internet has taken care of that for us, you know, and her thing videos of him groping women on Total Request Live, interviews with him being outwardly racist. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the culture that they have created and that they actively participate in. And whether or not you're doing those kinds of things, you're participating in it. Right. Um, And I do also want to say that one of the really horrifying things that has come to light recently is that um, New York Mag has reported that Harvey Weinstein has checked into a luxury resort because he doesn't want to have lose access to his phone if he were to check into a rehab facility. So I think one of the things that we need to be really vigilant and active and thoughtful about is like the next steps moving forward and you know giving people the space and the power to prosecute if that's you know the decision that they want to you know go down. I was reading, Um, a USA Today article that basically says that there's no statute of limitations in New York for rape or sexual assault, um, so that if anybody wanted to come forward to press charges, um, there's no time limit, an expiration date, which a lot of states do have. Um, So there is, you know, potential for him to be held accountable for his actions. Um, So I guess we'll just have to see what 
goes on. So I think the big question that everyone is asking is what's next? What's going to happen? Lock him up. Lock him <laughs> up. <laughs> Just that like statement is, is so triggering. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to make t-shirts and sell them. Great. Perfect. <laughs> um, so I think, and you've done a little bit of research about this, because I think this is a big part of the shame mm-hmm. of why women don't come forward. Well, if there's no accountability, if nothing right. happens, if there's no consequence, then why even say anything? So I think, you know, I think we have an opportunity as a culture to actually say that we're going to stand with women, we're going to believe women, and we're going to prosecute this asshole to the fullest extent of the law. And, you know, in New York State, the USA Today was reporting that there is no, like, limitations on, you know, cases like this. And a lot of states, you know, rape cases have to be, pro- have to be Um, go through the system within a year for them to be viable and for you to be able to press charges. And New York State doesn't, for all those ladies out there who are wondering. Um, And so I think that is a glimmer of hope that, you know, that Italian actress that was assaulted and that went to the police station, and that's why she was wired. Um, You know, we have that on record already. He admitted to assaulting her then. He admits to assaulting other people. I mean, the audio from that is um, evidence a thousand percent of what happened. And the only reason that that case got dropped was because that woman was shamed in the media. Um, her name was dragged through the mud and people buried it. Um, but that is still viable evidence. And so if, you know, the powers that be wanted to prosecute, then they could. And I think you've just hit on the gigantic problem in all of this. Mm -hmm. You know, Weinstein did admit that he abused her. Trump also admitted that he's abused women. Yeah. So there has to be a willingness to charge and there has to be a willingness to convict. Right. And that willingness is just, quite frankly, not there 99% of the time. Well, I think it's because, uh, like we were talking about, the powers of Harvey Weinstein is so far-reaching. I mean, the reason Rose McGowan was silenced on Twitter is because he probably made a call. You know, I'm sure he has his tentacles in, you know, the New York State police system as well. Like, there's, there's so much power there when you have that kind of money and prestige that you can reshape the narrative. Um, you know, if Harvey Weinstein would be like a middle class person of color, like he'd already be in jail. Like this is a privilege absolutely of his power and, you know, his money and his wealth and also like his whiteness. Yeah. The spheres of influence are deeply embedded and we can't discount exactly what he's able to control. Something that I wanted to ask you about actually is you had mentioned that there was a similar case that happened in Canada. Yes, for all of our Canadian beaverettes. Which is why you were kind of feeling nervous about this one, because what happened there in Canada? So um, this would have been in 2014. um, A radio announcer named Gian Gomeshi um, was accused and did go to court for sexual assault. He was our golden goose. Mm. He hosted a radio program called Q, which was all about popular culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And as... You know, when I was in high school, watching MTV, listening to CBC radio, um, I wanted to not only work with Gian Gomeshi, I wanted to, like, be the next Gian Gomeshi. Mm-hmm. I was so deeply inspired by him. I was so Im- influenced by him. I loved what he did yeah. through his work, through his show. He really gave this legitimacy and this legitimate voice to pop culture analysis. And mm-hmm. that's, of course, what I love to do. Um, I was in journalism school when the news broke um, that he had been choking, abusing, hitting women. Oh, my God. One of them worked in his studio. Ugh. 
And I remember, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. The news broke over the weekend um, that CBC Radio had fired Jan Gomeshi. Mm-hmm. And I, I kid you not, Aaron, I got goosebumps just saying it. That would literally be like firing, like, who's a major news person here? It'd be like Matt Lauer mm-hmm. having literal, like, abuse allegations come out and they fire him tomorrow. Yeah. NBC no longer associates with Matt Lauer. Mm-hmm. It was huge. And Gian Gomeshi immediately issued a statement being like, I've had wrongful dismissal. This is total garbage. None of it's true. Blah, blah, blah. And everybody believed him. Ugh. And it took women coming forward detailing how he had choked them in cabs, grabbed them at work. And literally the only reason, one of the only reasons why CBC was able to move forward is because a woman came forward who was able to produce photographic evidence of bruises and a broken rib. Oh my God. Caused Uh, by a date she went on with him. uh, It was harrowing. And the worst part about it is I had applied to work at Q for a summer internship. mm -hmm. And this man who, and it's not that I had him on a pedestal. It's just that he was doing work in an area that I wanted to be a part of. Right. You know, I, I didn't have him on any kind of, oh my gosh, how could this happen kind of thing. You're just devastated. I was just devastated because I, I literally was at journalism school partially because of him mm-hmm. and the work that he did on his show. So, so what happened to Long story short, yeah. a whole bunch of women came forward. They were eventually able to press charges and they acquitted him. Wow. And it came out that one of the women... Is he running for prime minister? Yeah, really. Because <laughs> he went to L.A., so maybe he's going to work at the Weinstein Company. Wow. Um, oh, my God. It was a huge miscarriage of justice, and it was so profoundly disappointing because one of the women had a really shaky timeline, really shaky evidence. Mm-hmm. The prosecution decided to go forward with what she was... Right. Laying out for them. Also, if somebody like breaks your rib on a date and like that's the level of assault, like for you to even have to like look at that person and like talk about it and talk about them, like the level of, you know, courage it takes to do that, I can't even fathom. Yeah. And, and they, they continued going with Q. They did like a huge rebrand of it. Ugh. Um, but it was a big deal. You know, CBC... CBC needed to revisit their company culture. They, they revisited a lot of things. People were fired, mm-hmm. um, as you would expect. But there was this, it's similar to Weinstein, why this was so triggering for me is because there was a system that protected him because he brought money. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was literally the biggest selling point for that network. Right. And they all kind of looked the other way. Well, that's super dark, and I hope that <laughs> <laughs> it is super dark. I mean, it, it, that's why you know when when the Weinstein stuff happened earlier this week, I was really, um, I, I was I immediately thought of Jan Gomeshi. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you can buy the Lock 'Em Up T-shirts at feministwednesday.com, <laughs> and maybe we'll. I don't know. That was a joke, but but seriously, hopefully there is some kind of. Um, I don't know, some glimmer of something, you know, and even whether it's not just we're seeing like the demise of like Weinstein's career, hopefully maybe he'll go to Canada and take on who knows what. Um, we're seeing that with the um, the CEO of Amazon as well, like and Ben Affleck and, you know, all these people are. So hopefully we're holding people accountable and there something will happen. Um, I think on a to end on a lighter note, <laughs> 
I'd love to know kind of in spaces and places and, and when news happens like this, I know a lot of women are feeling super heavy about it. Kind of what have you been doing for yourself this week and how do we kind of, how do we move forward from a place of power um, when these things happen and when we do so deeply empathize, is that the word? Sympathize and are empathetic about the situation. Yeah, I think that you and I are definitely the type of people that take on a lot of responsibility when we read headlines like this. Mm -hmm. You know, we do feel, I feel the need to support and show up for women. And that can be a really, I mean, it's a very important thing, but it's, it can be very draining Mm -hmm. at times. Um, And I think for self-care for me, um, I am an external processor. Mm -hmm. I journal every day. Yeah. I talk to people who I trust. Um, my partner, you, my mom, a couple of really close girlfriends. Mm-hmm. I, I, t- I need to talk it out because otherwise I, I can just like physically feel it in my body. Yeah. So I write, release I write articles. I release it through, I release it through words and I release it through conversation. Mm-hmm. Conversing with people that I know are going to a understand. A safe space. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you don't have a safe space to talk about these things, Aaron and I run a network on... Facebook called the Dream Girl Documentary Film Network. Um, and, you know, we have conversations there about self-care, about feminism. It's really a, a place for like-minded women to come together and share whatever it is they're going through, but also to dissect popular culture and kind of an extension of this podcast. So we just try to create this really warm community. Um, it's about 1,200 members now, mm-hmm. all really active, all really engaged, and are just looking to kind of um, support one another through business, through entrepreneurship, through everything that we're, we're involved in. So that's something that if you feel like, you know, even if you do feel like you have people to talk to, we'd still love for you to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to find people who see you and that you don't need to re-explain your feelings to when these things are happening. Yeah, absolutely. I will say for me, I feel like actually doing the deep dive and reading the stories has been really cathartic because as a survivor of assault, I feel really seen. And so it's actually been kind of therapeutic to like, you know, be able to read them at like a pace, you know. Um, Also, kind of like working out has been great and, you know, spending a half an hour on the elliptical to just kind of sweat it out and kind of just, again, I think finding ways to release it. I think what you said about finding your safe spaces is great. I remember, I think I called you the day we found out and I was like, let's get into this immediately. Like, what's going on? What are you feeling? Um, And definitely also like giving yourself a break. I think I sometimes find myself in educational spaces where like I have to educate people on how serious this is. And um, sometimes in these instances, like give yourself a break from doing that because it can be really draining and frustrating. And while you're sorting out your personal feelings, um, you don't any no, you don't owe anyone any kind of explanations. So I would be really thoughtful about that for the feminists and activists who are like the first to like jump in on an issue. Make sure you're feeling like you're in a good place first. And giving yourself screen breaks. Yes. Get away from, you know, a lot of us, as part of that external processing, a lot of us write articles, a lot of us do podcasts, mm-hmm. a lot of us tweet, a lot of us do all these kinds of different things on many different platforms, but unplug, give yourself the permission to step away, give yourself the permission to be quiet, go read, read a Hillary book. Read Hillary Clinton's book. Read Hillary Clinton's <laughs> book, read Cheryl Strayed, read Brene Brown, read yeah. Angela Davis, read Janet these- Mock. 
Kristen Mock, Roxanne Gay. Read these incredible women um, who are also doing the work yes. to further feminism and further our rights. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a radical act of being to be an outspoken woman in our culture today. And I think you need to do whatever you're, you're, you need to do and you feel comfortable to do to continue to be that. So on that note, thanks, Diana, for chatting with me. Thanks, thanks Kent, for recording us today. And um, we'll see you guys next time. See you next time. Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate him. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me, let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. <laughs> they scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one uh, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? Haddonfield's first burlesque <laughs> club. That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The Lacey... Ooh. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!